Hello! You've reached the Viewfinder Vikings podcast, and unfortunately, we cannot answer the phone right now. We're probably out shooting some epic landscape shots with our huge cameras and, you know, keeping it real. For real. Anyway, you know what to do. Leave a message after the beep. Hey, um, I I know I was only supposed to be on twice, but I'm just... Can, can I please come on a third time? Um, I'll like, uh, you know, because I heard you guys were going to talk about uh, inkjet printing, and honestly, I think that's a crime to photography, and you just have, you have to have me on. You just have to. Uh, you can't, you can't let Ian put out his, his misguided notions on, on a clearly inferior printing method. I, I just... Whatever it takes, what, whatever you need from me to have me on the third time, just, you know, you know where to find me. You know, you know I don't do anything real during the day. I'm, I'm available. So, you know, just let me know, anything. Just, um, please, man, please, for the sake of photography. Hello and welcome to the Viewfinder Vikings podcast. This is episode number 18 and today we have for the very first time, no wait, uh, for the very third time, very fir- third time as a very special, super special guest. Getting uh, less special. Getting <laughs> less special by the episode. It's uh, David uh, Mark Shiradeli. Alan, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Or was it e- Surbringen? No. Surbringen. Pirmen Surbringen. No. No. Uh, Samuel. 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 Okay. Yeah. You were close though. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't get my my early nineteen nineties uh, downhill ski reference, but that's okay. Let's <laughs> let's move on. Uh, how are you, David? I- I'm good. I'm good. What have you been up to the, the last 24 hours? Oh God! Actually, I uh, I did I did some photography. No way. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been doing much photography lately, to be honest. Um, but today I loaded two large format cameras, a tripod, and a bunch of stuff into a bike trailer and. Uh, bikes like eight kilometers uphill, which was very difficult, it turned out, to this place, uh, to take one photo that I've been thinking about for for this sort of series I did test for a year ago and then haven't continued. So, yeah. So you took two cameras to do one shot? Yeah, but you never know in the moment. Like, you know, more, okay. you, you never know. You just like... <sighs> so you ended up with, my, with only one shot? Well, uh, yeah, well, sort of, no. The same shot, but, you know, yeah. six copies of it on my last sheets of Acros in 4x5. Oh, so it was a yeah. special idea, I can tell. Mm. <laughs> you don't I'm cherish your Acros? I do, but, you know, you got to use it. Yeah. 
I'm t- I'm terrified. Uh, speaking of, of macros, like, shouldn't we introduce your your other co-host or whatever? Right, right. Um, <laughs> speaking that of that film, acronym, seems like the perfect. <clears throat> How are you, Ian? Good evening. Yes, very well here. Very busy day. I've I've also been taking pictures in the last twenty four hours. So, um, this will never catch on film photography podcast hosts to actually get out and take pictures. Um, I'll have to think of something else to talk about, perhaps. I actually took pictures yesterday. Awesome. What were you taking pictures of? Uh, I was doing part 280 of my pr- research project in, in uh, that's sort of confidential uh, because I'm not making it work. And um, <laughs> I don't know how to how to fix the problem. And I also did, uh, I tested a camera that I'm going to use for the 2468 project with Bartosek. And it turned out that that camera had a sticky shutter. So mm-hmm. I contacted the seller and and he asked me in return if I, if I wanted an, a different body, which I probably didn't because I wanted it because of the sprocketless capabilities. But then I also thought that if I could try to fix it myself, I might get lucky and, and repair it. And, uh, and then I would have two bodies uh, that takes EF lenses. And I could try the whole Canon thing. I've never had a, owned a Canon camera in my life. So I tried. Uh, I, th- I thought it was about time to, to try the Canon thing. Good stuff. And were you successful with it with the repair? I haven't done it yet. I I oh. just I opened the back just to see if the I I it could have been water, but so I left it to sort of vaporize. But it's still there after twenty four hours, so I guess it's oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have to. The only thing I have uh, is this cleaner spray. I'll I'll just get it. It's from three M. Citrus cleaner spray. Uh, It removes grease, oil, smuts, tape, and glue. Sounds like it'll fix any camera then. It'll make your shutter (laughs) smell smell better as well. Yeah. But is that, you guys that know better than me, is that something you might try or is it just pure I I hang those like pine tree, like new camera smell things (laughs) in my... My camera when I'm not using it to get that new camera smell. Oh, um, yeah, that's great I'd, advice. I'd, I'd spray it into the cap of the of the uh, cleaner. Spray a little bit into the cap and then dip a cotton bud into it. Yeah, and then go at it with a cotton bud. Uh, how? Because uh, I, I saw that man. the the oil was on three of the blades. How delicate do I have to be? Is it like? sort of if you were doing it to someone's eye or or is it that delicate or <laughs> you're gonna t- <laughs> you're gonna test it on somebody's eye <laughs> no but, but is it is it sort of that level of yeah. delicacy yeah I, I, you've got to be as, as delicate as you possibly can I guess while actually making contact yeah so I don't, I, you have to actually yeah. scratch the oil off I don't no, know. You, sorry, yeah. I think you're dissolving it, aren't you? So you don't have to kind of be... It doesn't need to be abrasive. It just needs to okay. touch the oil enough to 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 that the solvent can act on it and, and uh, thin it out. 
this is probably all really bad advice. We ought to be careful. Yeah, I don't know. Because there's like, I have a Canon T90, and those, if they look like they have oil on the blades, they sort of die, the T90s, randomly. And it's because they use sort of grommets in there that denature over time. And Uh then once that happens, it's just, you either have to replace the entire shutter mechanism or it's, you know, uh, uh, a nice ergonomic spot meter. Um, (laughs) so, so, you know, if it's something like that, I don't yeah. So, um, you know, not knowing the actual camera could be bad advice. I mean, but yeah, I mean, dab away with a Q-tip. Go for it. Well, at least now it, the camera is free, and uh, so I don't have anything to lose other than yeah. that was sort of my the one camera I was hoping to to use for that project because uh, I don't it's think rockets. Yeah. yeah, I don't think there is any, and it's just one for sale in Norway, just randomly. Uh, I've never seen that camera for sale in Norway before, so but I'll try it. I have nothing to lose now. No, if it's free, it takes the pressure off for sure. Exactly. All right. So before we dive into the first topic, I just want to mention that uh, at the end of the episode, we will talk about a tiny little giveaway. Um, Not tiny, really. It's huge. So for those of you who are thinking about uh, stopping the episode or or sort of jumping or skipping uh, through the or uh, fast forwarding don't do that because you might as well uh, turn down the giveaway (laughs) so what you want to say is it's not at the end but it's at some random point yeah Yeah, because otherwise they just skip to the end I mean that's what I do you don't know good point okay so at some point (laughs) during this one and a half hour episode we will give away some awesome stuff uh, so be on the lookout for that uh, with that out of the way uh, let's dive into the first topic and and um, this time we're doing it sort of the official way we are going to have opening statements uh, reflecting both sides of the argument and then uh, we'll see where that leads us really um, so Ian, you have asked me very kindly to have the first uh, uh, say in, on this, or did I ask sure. you? Or I don't really. I think you asked me, but, but that's <laughs> fine. I can, I can, I can make stuff up. Okay, go so, ahead. Ian. Yeah. So uh, this is the second chat that uh, the Viewfinder Vikings have had with Dave. Obviously, I missed the first one, but listened intently, of course. Um, thoroughly enjoyed last week's as well and the theme that kind of that you guys have i know you're both keen darkroom um photographers you know know, you're keen to um see your analog process from start to finish which takes you through to a completed darkroom print um i i like a i like a good print i like a physical output from my photography and I, i in fact i consider it essential be that a zine or a print but to me, the, the the print part of it, it's less important. The 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 uh, the dedication to that those darkroom processes. Um, to me, if I've got a print, I, I I enjoy an inkjet print just as much as a darkroom print. If it's on a wall behind a piece of glass, 
I'm probably going to struggle to tell the difference anyway. Don't get me wrong, you know, if a, a nicely made darkroom print is is fantastic. Uh, seeing a darkroom print appear in the chemical again is is awesome. But you know, that's that's a small part of the process of something that's going to hang on a wall or be delivered to somebody, and I can be just as happy with the end result not going through all that time-consuming process that you guys were talking about in the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, that was that was kind of my statement on it. Um, I'm interested. Try and convince me that I need to go and try, try and find a, a dark room within a couple of hundred miles of where I live and, and get involved. David? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, this is hard because in actuality, I'm, I'm sort of like... A- digital film agnostic i just choose to work this way but um for the for the sake of this episode (laughs) i will take a hard stance of no you need to be a darkroom printer because that thing i forget what it's called but you know where the ink from inkjet sits on top and then viewed by certain angles it looks white instead of black or whatever um Uh what's that called that's like a thing anyway yeah uh, it happens more in magazines. It's better now, but it still it still happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, I mean, it's interesting because even commercial digital printing, like it's still recognized the best is uh, digital silver printing mm-hmm. for those kinds of reasons for photos. Uh, but that's really expensive. So I guess if I was trying to convince you is that you know if you want those really black blacks, you know the really black blacks, then either pay a commercial printer too much money to, you know, digitally silver print or just, you know, get thee to a dark room. Yes. Is... But but the, the, the time involved and the financial investment potentially yeah. to, to 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 produce those prints. You know, I think Sven was talking a couple of weeks ago about somebody who was spending sixteen hours on a on a single print. Is, yeah. is that what you said? Um it, you know if that that's that's just time I don't have, you know, and and yeah, I maybe I'll I'll see slightly better results if I was to do that. Although again, I'm, I'm not sure I would, but just just that sort of time is is just it's just such a massive investment. I don't know how how people can ever kind of get that good at something to be able to um, you know, to to justify that sort of time. I mean, that, that's like, but I know people who spend that much time retouching, you know, a digital photograph to to before making a digital print to for exhibition right like i actually know people who've spent that long in in photoshop legitimately right so i mean i think it's not that's not inherent to darkroom per se but now we're just getting into a question of how much time you have for for post post production right Mm -hmm. because sometimes i'll print the darkroom rather quickly oh i want to make a print of this you know it's not 16 hours like i could pop into my darkroom right now and just bust out like you know a few prints pretty quickly if i didn't but but that's because you've already invested that time previously isn't it yeah but i mean it's the same thing with you in photoshop right like i'm sure when you first put like a photo and got it ready to print on your computer it wasn't like an immediate thing right there's a learning yeah. curve for the software I, yeah yeah maybe but it, again that doesn't involve uh, breaking out a load of chemicals and and yeah. uh, potentially traveling somewhere or if not 
converting a room in your house to be able to oh, do this sort of stuff. You know? Absolutely. It involves sitting on your butt and getting fat, you know, like. Just... <laughs> but, but you have to admit, Ian, at least for me, there is a similarity there because when I started, uh, I was pure digital. And uh, soon enough, the mouse wasn't good enough. So I bought the 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 pads for for drawing with mm-hmm. your with your mouse. So, and then the next step is you have to have the col- color calibrated monitors, and you have to have the the best resolution. So, uh, in terms of chemicals and procedure and time, it's it it all it, it seems to be quite parallel actually. If mm-hmm. if you are professional. Uh, digital photographer and professional analog photographer. I I would even guess that that's about the same time they spend on each image. Uh, but of yeah. course, Lena Besanova that I mentioned, we I don't know if it's true, but she she said she spent thirteen hours on it or something. But she does that for a living, so she has to produce one hundred percent of the exact thing that she was thinking about, or else she won't do it. Uh, or give it to the world, or have an exhibition, or whatever. So perhaps that's the perhaps that's the issue. It's my quality standards aren't high enough. I was um, I was that actually in the episode <laughs> convince you to have quality standards. That <laughs> should have been the... that's that's probably what, where you are the most correct in my opinion is the quality of inkjet printing. The is... quality of your work sucks, Ian. <laughs> that's all. You're finally right. <laughs> no. Uh, I was going to say that the quality of inkjet printing is... Uh, it's easier to get a good or decent inkjet print than it is to get a decent darkened print. I think. That's true. But I was also going to ask you, Ian, if you have ever... Let's just um, establish uh, something here. Have you ever seen up close or held in your hand... Uh, what I will call a, a sort of like a professional grey darkroom print. Um, maybe, maybe not. Because I, no, I, I haven't. I've I, never I, seen only it. at exhibitions, I guess. You know, again, behind glass or okay, um, or you know, yeah. exhibited like that. Not not in my hands, but kind of on a wall from a from a from three feet distance or whatever. Okay, uh, because I haven't even seen it. I don't know. Uh, I have never seen a, a professionally or quote unquote made darkroom print, but I've seen the. Do you know the video with uh, Tim Rudman, where he he the a YouTube video where he prints one of his Iceland images, of a mm. of a greenhouse, and just from looking at that video, I can see that I would just my jaw would drop if I saw that print in in person because of the quality is just uh outstanding from a medium format negative and he does the bleaching and the toning and whatever and Mm -hmm. and uh to me i think that if you could do that with uh with an inkjet printer i think that uh there would be a lot fewer people doing darkroom prints I think there's a still a higher top level mm. to aim for with with darkroom so the it's potentially better. 
when when you were talking a few weeks back about um, the exhibition that you had, I think it was the episode when you were talking about people discussing your work and you were kind of listening in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so those people who are your potential customers for for the work that you've produced, do you think they care if it's if it's how it's printed? No. Um, if it. I don't. So, I, I don't. Th- I. Th- I think you have a fair point there, but I think that if I got someone like Tim Redmond to print my work and I would hang that in the next room, then people would. Then they would go through the first room and then they would. You would hear a lot of noises in the second room. <laughs> I think so. I, I'm not sure, but what do you think, David? Is it a higher potential in the dark room than on Inkjet? I mean, on inkjet, like, yeah, I'm, if we're talking just sort of digital commercial printing, like, those are excellent. I've seen exhibited, like, photos that way, and I don't know that there's one better than the other. But as far as inkjet prints, definitely with blacks, at least with black and white, like, you'll notice a difference. And I was actually going to say to Ian, like, specifically his night shots would be served really well by fiber darkroom prints because you can get such rich blacks, you mm-hmm. know, when that emulsion's actually in the fiber of the paper versus ink, or even with resin-coated paper where the ink sits, you know, where the where the emulsion sits on top of it. Um, although I did get to use Ilford's new resin-coated paper that they just announced. I got some in advance. And oh, I nice. can say the black looks a lot better than their last one. It's really impressive. Anyway. So that's a little plug for Ilford. <laughs> but they didn't pay me for that. They should, but they didn't. Um, so it's actually interesting that Ian, of all people, would talk about it because I think, like, for the... I Like, for the for Ian's night work, I'd want to see either commercially printed so that blacks are done justice or a darkroom fiber print. I don't know that I'd want to see those any other way. But, but specifically those kinds of photos. And I don't think every photo needs that. But, mm. but yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, even if you were to come up with the most convincing argument um, possible, whatever that might be, yeah. uh, I still don't think it's an option because um, since I moved over here, I haven't found a... I know there is a dark room that's kind of all um, mothballed at the moment in the in the technical college in the city nearby, but... Um, <clears throat> other than that, I don't think there are any kind of functional dark rooms that I could go and use and learn how to do this either. So, yeah, no, I mean, I'm just saying, like, and that's just the truth for a lot of people. And I'm not trying to throw shade at people uh, who can't print in the dark room, but just as far as what it serves, I think there's some areas where it just it works better, and other, you know, obviously for economy and ease, like inkjet you know, wins for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually have right in front of me a print from a photographer, Chris uh, Christopher Matheson. That's an inkjet print on like um, fine art paper that he did. Uh-huh. And right next to it is a fiber darkroom print um, by uh, uh, Monica, Dr. Mars Rover on, yeah. on, on Twitter, if you know her. Yep. And um, and it's funny. I just you can already see the difference in the blacks. Like I'm actually staring at those right now. They're both above my computers in my office. Above my computer in my office. Anyway, so it, so I say that about the night shots. Actually, looking at things right next to each other, which is hmm. interesting. 
Um, and that's not even to throw shade at Christopher's photo. I bought it. I bought the print because I really like it. And, but it happens to be a stark black and white image. So there's deep blacks and pure whites in it. And then the, the uh, Monica's also has a ton of black in it. So it's just interesting. Um, mm. I just wanted to chime in on the the economical part of the discussion because I've done one exhibition where I did inkjet printing mm -hmm. and uh, I think I spent more money on that exhibition than I did when I printed in the darkroom uh, not a time uh, included so because of the the way the paper I chose was sort of like a fine art velvet fine art Epson paper that was uh, 100 euros or 120 dollars for 20 sheets and um, and also the ink um, when I did black and white images I had to I think I had to had to buy four sets of inks uh, so it also it depends on what level you are talking about both in paper and in printer because I also spend a lot of money on the printer and and I spent maybe 300 350 dollars on ink and then um, uh, about the same on paper and for that kind of yeah. money you can do a lot of darker printing oh no it's true so I don't think there uh, I mean if you if you compare like just printing like a, f a photo of your son or, or of your mom or something then of course there's no comparison the inkjet is way cheaper and especially with if you choose if you go down the route of sort of like the the commercial type of printing and paper uh, which can produce fantastic results but if you're talking fine art paper and a printer that can print on a five a fine art paper because of the stiffness of the paper and how you load it and stuff uh it it wasn't it, i i was thinking about it afterwards that i might as well just have done the entire exhibition in the dark room uh, both economically and all close to time time wise too because i had to hand feed every paper and i printed uh i think 50 50 sheets and mm -hmm. then cutting them afterwards and so the, uh, I spend a lot of time and a lot of money on an inkjet uh, produced exhibition. So just wanted to throw that in there. Mm -hmm. What about the commercially available um, darkroom printers? So if I wanted to send my negatives to somebody to to get them printed in the darkroom to convince me that that was the mm. that was the way forwards. That's an interesting you know? thought. I'd be curious because I know Ilford does it right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd That's be curious if you did that. Like, I'd be re like legitimately curious um, if, because I'm sort of speculating with your photos too, knowing what you shoot. Mm -hmm. I'd be really curious if you sent um, away a high res file or a negative to them, because I think I saw you can actually send them your negatives to yeah. print. Um, if you sent them a neg to get um, a fiber darkroom print of one of your photos, and then you printed it and put them side by side on your wall for a week, you know, or something, uh -huh. you know, where you could actually just sort of stare at it, what your, what your thoughts are, you I'm know, do it for the, for the, for the really, I'm like, I'm curious because 
you might go, oh, I think this one is slightly better, but it's not worth the time or effort. You know, like, I'm yeah. curious, is it worth mm, the... That's a good point. We probably should have done that before this episode, rather than. <laughs> yeah. Well, that well, that but that sort of is not on the same playing field either. Or if you send me Ian, seriously, if you send me a negative, I'll print it for you in my darkroom on Fiverr for free, just because I'm curious. Okay, and, let's do this. And then, okay, and, no, yeah, just don't, yeah. And I mean, you, sorry, Alfred, I'm not trying to take business from you, but I'll, I'll print it for you. You were doing so well with Alfred, and then you just. I know, I was, I was waiting for those checks to roll in, and now they're. But then uh, it would be fun if you also, David, not send it, the negative back to Ian, but send it to me. And I would also do a darkroom print uh, uh, without seeing your print. And uh, we could see how much the printer has to say. Yeah, and then Ian will have quality. three of the same photo. In his... And I'll, I'll inkjet it at home. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll compare. Well, well, we'll send them to a to a fourth party <laughs> independent. Um, oh, man. Judge. So <laughs> in 2025, we will have <laughs> conclusive no, but, results. But <laughs> in episode you... 940. <laughs> As, as as the photographer, I'd be curious for one of your things, you know, like if you had a darkroom print of it and, you know, yeah, it's true, like, you know, how I might print it, how um, send my print it would be different, you know, our choices. Yeah. And uh, presumably, if you were going to, if you were going to use one of these commercially available services, you'd have to give them some kind of idea of how you yeah. want the thing to look, right? Yeah. So I guess if you send me a negative and give me a digital file of sort of like yeah. what you're thinking and I'll do my best to, to yeah. sort of recreate that in I, the dark room. I was thinking yeah. that could be the way to go with Ilford too. Just send them maybe an inkjet print of uh, a small mm. four by six, sort of like this is yeah. how I'm thinking it mm. should look. But yeah. it, it it's an interesting topic to to throw color in the mix too because uh, have you seen that uh, you don't watch YouTube at all? No. no a little bit. Uh, have you seen the negative feedback when he goes to that color print where they use um, the uh, the dye well, what's it called? C oh, I should probably <laughs> have written this down. C print? Is it C C print? Yeah, C type print. C type print, yeah. 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 And he does, and it also prints the same image on inkjet, I think, uh, at the same firm, uh, and then uh, he hangs them up on a wall, and you and you can see the difference. And that's sort of the same thing that we are talking about, except that um, it, I think it's the um, there's there was a lot of options in color, but they're not anymore. No. Inkjet wasn't ink, inkjet wasn't good enough until recently, and before that there were the Cibachrome prints are just absolutely insane looking. Um, and then you have the C print, which is sort of like almost like close, if I'm correct. And then uh, inkjet started to uh, get closer in in quality and qual uh, closer and closer and and uh, with today, if you have a, if you go to a professional printer with, with who has a photo printer, not a not a sort of poster printer, but a photo printer, a, a photo print lab, and they make a, a print either a color or black and white, um, I'm sure it's way better than it used to be with with the 
ink technology. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's, it's true. It's sort of like, that's why in the end I'm actually sort of process agnostic in, in regard to like, if you're coming up with something that's, you know, good, like how you get there, you know, what matters sort of is the photo. And of course the process can inform that, you know, where there are some cases where, um, yeah, where I would, might say, oh, if there's a ton of black, I think maybe a darkroom fiber print is going to serve the image better. But there are cases where that's just not there, right? And then mm -hmm. there's the question of how much does it serve the image? Is it worth the time and effort put in? And, um, you know, these are hard calls. That's actually why I'm interested in, in Ian getting, you know, printing his one of his night photos and doing it in the darkroom just to see, like, if in the end he's like, you know, oh, is this worth it? You know, because I, I wouldn't be shocked if you're like, oh, I like I think the dark room is marginally better. The blacks are marginally better. I, it's not so much better that I'm going to send this to a professional lab. Right. Uh -huh. I'd be like, OK, OK, fair enough. Um, but like, on the other hand, you, I get sort of perfectionist. I also equally wouldn't be surprised if you're like, oh, OK, I didn't know that there'd be some difference mm -hmm. for this particular type of photo. And mm -hmm. yeah, so I don't know. But no, yeah, I mean, colors, colors weird. Color, like I do, I've done some C prints um, in my lab, um, color prints. But you're, if you do it at home, like it, you can only get resin coated color paper. You can't get fiber anymore, right? It's just you're really, you don't have options. So if I'm going to do an exhibition with color photos, I'm going to have the lab do it. Like I'm just not going to do it at home because even though I can do color prints in my garage, they just aren't as good. So. Okay. Um, the one thing I wanted to mention was that for me, uh, I'm probably still way better with with digital, with Photoshop and and inkjet printing than I am in the darkroom. My my results are better, and uh, I work faster. Uh, but I still <laughs> sort of tend to be drawn to the darkroom. Uh, for the uh, sort of craftsmanship of it. Um, yeah, I was going to mention that. I mean, that, that's the other thing that we haven't talked about. Is yeah. I think Dave said that you don't photograph much, but you you spend a lot of time in the dark room. Yeah. Um, because you know that it's like the old thing about about gear, where I think Hamish says that he's got two hobbies: photography yeah. and cameras. Yeah, and, and maybe darkroom work is almost uh, you know a, a hobby on its own. You know that that process is enjoyable enough that you can get as much out of doing that as you can taking the picture in the first place. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I can I can imagine that 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 might be you, given some of the things that you've created in the darkroom in the past. Yeah, I mean, I think that I love that Ham Hamish puts it that way because I respect that. Like, I I'm not anti people enjoying gear. I hate the notion that that's synonymous with photography, mm -hmm. right? So I have a ton of respect for Hamish because I think he puts it like that's that's you know what you want like okay photography and gear like cool that's fine, um, but confounding the two. It's funny I think it started more like you're saying oh I enjoy the dark room as much as I enjoy taking a photo, but then it morphed into now my workflow is I try to create images using all these photographic processes so mm. like my negative doesn't resemble necessarily at all when I come up with. Mm -hmm. So now 
for me, photography is this very like weird Frankenstein's monster sort of mm-hmm. thing. So I don't know if I'm the best example, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. No, I, I, it, it definitely seems that if you hear somebody who's passionate about about darkroom work, um, if you listen to is it Andrew Bartram who who will talk about the time he spends and the things he tries and the different, you know, he he, he what was he doing? He, he sent me some prints and he's he'd exposed one through tracing paper to go give it a kind of softened look and things like that, and so it seems like there are. You know, it's a whole it's a whole new um, uh, area of of the of the hobby of the practice is is can take place in the darkroom. Which if you are if you are printed on inkjet, you're never going to get you know yeah. you're never going to be exposed to that sort of thing. And of course, you're never going to be able to produce the things that you're producing where yeah. where they're reliant on the on the on the darkroom processes themselves. But that's that's the same as a darkroom printer would never do HDR, uh, would never <laughs> do well, compositing in that same term. Yes, but I do compositing in that, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, I mean, but not in the same way. But I, if you if you told me right now, hey, take this negative and replace the sky with this sky, I could do it right now, right? Like I can do that in the darkroom, and I've done it. Yeah. Um, like. But that's so like for me, compositing 101 in Photoshop. Yeah, I understand. But I'm saying it's doable and you will do it. I think for me, the restriction, like it's, yeah, it's sometimes harder in the darkroom, even though it's doable. And having to be creative about how you do it leads you down paths you wouldn't do normally with Photoshop. Even though it's doable in Photoshop, you wouldn't think to do it. So for me, that's the interesting part is it's uh, everything doable in Photoshop is doable in the dark room, right? And like even HDR, like you can think of like, I mean, you can um, uh, split grade and do all kinds of things to get similar stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, clarity, you know, the clarity slider. Clarity was originally a dark room concept. That wasn't a digital concept. I could tell you how to boost clarity in the dark room. Um, which, what about de haze? <laughs> can you do that? De-haze, yeah. Yeah. That's HC one ten. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's just. But you, there's just sometimes you just need to be creative about how you how you affect like sort of affect the what you're going for, and in that creativity, you end up down paths you wouldn't do otherwise. And like going through tracing paper and stuff like that, that was kind of stuff that pictorialists used to do back in the day in the darkroom. Like the, the that's a, the tracing paper thing is an old pictorialist technique, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, and these things were sort of lost, uh, unfortunately, thanks to people like Ansel Adams who tried to kill pictorialism, who were anti <laughs> that school. Yeah. Um, and there were so many cool techniques by the pictorialists and experimentation with them. They were doing things like, um, I forget his name, but he would make a print, and then to to make highlights better, he would actually color with black marker or black ink on the back of the print in some of the highlights areas. And then okay. he would take a photo of that print, right? But now certain areas he colored behind to, yeah. you know, to make the details come out in the highlights. And then he would take a pick, he would make a print of that and then he would color in, because now it's a negative, right? It's another mm-hmm. print, but it's a negative. And now mm-hmm. he'd color in behind the white parts, which are actually your 
shadows to bring shadow detail out, and then he'd photograph and make a final print. Right? This is like, and this was old stuff. Yeah. And these guys are doing really cool things, like, um, and a lot of it is sort of lost, but, you know, when you start playing with stuff like that, it leads you down paths that you just wouldn't think of doing in Photoshop, and, like, is sort of what's interesting to me, mm -hmm. right? Like, you could, if you saw the, his final piece, what he got out of his original negative, you'd go, okay, I can do that in Photoshop, right? Mm -hmm. But you would never think to do that directly in Photoshop, uh -huh. if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with that. But I still think that the the craftsmanship of the the darkroom work is sort of like a, a, it's it's almost like a third of the total experience. Uh, if 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 uh, if I w was able to make my own shoes, I guess I would be a lot more proud of those shoes than I am am of the <laughs> shoes that I'm wearing right now. Uh, just to put it a little bit stupidly, but if you do, you get what I mean. Like, yeah. like well, a, surely you should <laughs> you should be a painter then rather than a photographer. <clears throat> well, if you, if you follow that path. Well, the thing is or that I can't paint to save my life. But <laughs> but I was uh, that, well. That's that's why I don't enjoy shooting digital on my personal work is because I like the, the, the craftsmanship of uh, the final image in the darkroom uh, I guess you could, you could do you can do a shortcut with sort of having a dig digital negative and you can also do a shortcut with ending up with in the inkjet and I'm okay with that it's not that I have to do it in darkroom there are images that I have that I know that I can't print the way I want in a darkroom and uh, those are inkjet prints and that, that's uh, that's fine by me but and and of course with family photos and and, and small projects uh, I will tend to do that on inkjet but the the big things that are supposed to represent me as an artist if I if I have an exhibition for instance uh, um, I would hope to be able to do that in the darkroom uh, and spend those hours uh, doing the final prints uh, just because that there will be even more of my personality in the, the prints and in the final work than if I let um, Epson do the last um, step. So it has more value to me and then uh, it also the exhibition would have more value to me. I'm with you. I can, I can, I can appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's not something that I'm able to do, but I I, I appreciate the, the 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 reasons why that would be important. So <laughs> let let's call it a draw. Let, but yeah, let's try that experiment and let's uh, do it. Yeah, maybe, be, maybe have another chat after that. That sounds good. Yeah, I think maybe listeners would be interested if we have you know people because I'm sure there's listeners who both inkjet print and darkroom print. So it's yeah. sort of a yeah. All right, done. <laughs> okay. And you get a free fiber print out of it, basically. That sounds good. You get oh, a free and, and an RC print. <laughs> I get for to me. destroy one of your images for you. Because <laughs> I, I, I only do RC in darkroom prints, and I still. Or, you really, you really only do RC. Yeah, I've never done, or I, I, I done one fiber print by mistake. Uh, I opened the <laughs> wrong box. 
and uh, it was acting funny and it took forever to develop and I don't know what's going on here and I thought my developer was was gone bad and and then I hang it up uh, to dry and it curved like a like yeah, a, yeah. and uh, then I understood that it was a fiber print but it was sort of like this glossy old uh, Ilford print uh, like Ilford paper but I have done um, comparisons before I knew what I was doing. I did buy like a 10 pack of each paper from FOMA. And then yeah. I just ran through all of them, printed the same image. And uh, when I was washing them, I couldn't tell the difference. And when I was hanging them to dry, I couldn't tell the difference unless I touched them and watched the curviness and one of them stayed like a paper and the other one curled up like a ball and uh, <laughs> but uh, as they dried you could probably see just a little bit of difference but that's yeah. on my part that's because I suck at darker printing so if I was better it would be a bigger difference I'm sure so that's why I as of now I just do RC uh, it yeah. saves me time and money and when I get better and I start um, uh, when I start uh, retouching dust spots and when I start emphasizing highlights with bleach and yeah. and uh, poisonous chemicals uh, like the cyanide uh, thing then I'm sure I will gradually just go over to fiber because th I think the potential is bigger but yeah, as of yeah. where I'm now it doesn't matter if it's fiber or, or RC, I think. Gotcha. I I pretty much only print fiber now. Of um, course. Because <laughs> you're not, that good. <laughs> yeah. No. No, I think. But <laughs> because I'm that bad, and I think it it it, it validates uh, what I'm doing, despite. But <laughs> an interesting question is like where where I call inkjet a, a sort of a shortcut. Would you call RC paper a shortcut? I mean, not necessarily a shortcut. I mean, it is, it dries flat, which is really nice in that regard, yeah. Uh, and you, you don't have to use as much fixer or wash it as much. In fact, RC wants to go from dry to dry as fast as possible, right? You don't want to sit it. You, you don't want to over rinse either. Yeah. Um, so I guess in certain regards it's faster, it uses less chemicals, um, and it's easier, you get less creasing and all that, um, for sure. But I mean, it sort of depends what you're going for. I was really impressed with this new uh, multi-grade 5 from Ilford with the darks, because for me what's interesting is when I see the blacks done correctly on fiber, you can see a difference. Okay. Uh, and I mean, it makes sense, right? Because the the emulsion actually gets into the fibers of the paper, which is part of also why it takes longer to develop it. And someone might know better the chemistry than I, and hears this and goes, oh, "That's not technically right." But I think that's why it takes longer in the developer. But when you get it right, I mean, blacks look beautiful, <laughs> you know, just and. And so, so it's just, I guess it's sort of what you're going for too, but yeah, I like it. There's also less, um, like refraction. Uh, yeah, I, I like how light comes off the print more too, even yeah. on glossy, but. 
and also the the thing that I'm bef- the step I feel before retouching and and sort of mixing my own cyanide it mm-hmm. is the the toning and the yeah. selenium uh, and that also doesn't have that nearly a, a, the same effect on RC as it does on on fiber prints so that's also if if you if you want to go down that route of sort of like sepia toning your prints yeah. uh, probably that's one of the biggest reasons to choose fiber um but i did tone my the last uh, darkroom session i had i i did some testing with selenium toner and yeah. um i printed as as, as similar as I can uh, like five images I think and then I toned them in uh, at different uh, time um, lengths so from I think it was from five seconds to two and a half minutes I think yeah and uh, they were all RC and I couldn't tell the difference from from one to from five seconds to two and a half minutes really if if there was a difference it was probably from the printing it and not from the toning so i hear all this talk about prints turning bluish from from the selenium if you leave it in yeah. too long or if that's your goal you have to leave it in longer uh, if you just want the the uh, archivalness uh, um, just to replace this the silver with selenium um, then i think is it is it seconds or am i way off track area is it is it five minutes no two two minutes to ten minutes anyway, i'm not anyway. sure i don't i don't do selenium toning so so toning, the so. the i think that with rc you you get the um the archivalness but you don't get the the color shifts if you want uh, bluish uh, tones in your shadows and and i imagine I, that I, with cpi it's sort of similar that you have to leave it in for quite a while if, to get um the same tones i thought because um so um, it, it was m at emulsive.org he was the one who sent me the new ilford paper the the new rc to try mm-hmm. and i know he sent some to a much a better darkroom printer than i uh craig pindell and i believe he toned he did selenium toning on his rc for that test when he, he actually tested that paper against um, the former version of the Ilford Multigrade uh, RC. So I know you can tone it still, right? Um, Probably, yeah. Well, well that's, but, a new, uh, that's a new new type of paper that is supposed to handle toning better. Isn't that, is this, isn't that one of the yeah. sort of sales? But, but I think if I'm looking, I'm, I just pulled up his thing. I think like the the fourth gen uh ilford rc paper took looks like it took some of the um toning unless i'm getting confused which one's which but uh anyway okay yeah well i, I could um, be wrong it's not the but first I'm time not sure. <laughs> but yeah but um i mean it's true though if you're gonna do like uh oil painting and color you know colorizing a black and white photo you want like a fiber matte paper it doesn't work really on anything else yeah um you know where you use oils to 
color in a, a black and white photo and stuff like that. Yeah. So there's more options there. That's sort but of then, like the level 10 of darker yeah, work. Well, and then, <laughs> but the matte stuff doesn't have as deep a blacks as the glossy fiber paper. Right. So, you know, so there's always these trade-offs. <laughs> That's true. I think yeah. I think the the guy we, we mentioned last time, Andrew Sa- Andrew Sanderson Stevenson no San- Sanderson, he 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 does color color he hand colors his darkroom prints, uh, yeah. and um, that's sort of the ultimate combination you were talking about, Ian. That I should have been painting if if I wanted to, the, the full complete analog process <laughs> and. Mm-hmm. If I could paint, I probably would do the combination because that uh, I've never seen it in in real life. I've just seen pictures of it, but it just looks amazing when he's hand coloring his his darkroom prints. So that might be some in the in the future. Maybe I'll try that. But I tr- I tried retouching a black spot with black ink, and it looked like I just put a black dot on some gray paper it was uh, just horrible dilute your ink a ton yeah i i thought i That's... was doing that i ruined now go back in prints. time and tell yourself to dilute it so much more than you've been thinking yeah and i also the thing is that i have this negative this one negative of um, uh, a, a studio shot that i did i think i did uh, on four by five, and I, uh, I did uh, ten shots, I think, and only one of them came out. And that one image has dust spots from dust in the negative holder. Yeah. So it shows up dark, black, black yeah. uh, and and it's supposed to be a gradation of of gray from from mm. from gray to black and. It just break my breaks my heart because I I printed I didn't see that until I printed it at forty by fifty centimeters and um, I would have been so proud of that print had it not been for those so, so here's silly what we, mistakes. Here's what you do: make an inner negative of it, right? So get some of the, like take. I mean, the easiest way I guess is to. Uh, send it to put you. It, put, no, yeah, send it to <laughs> me. Um, put your negative on a light table. Take a photo of it with uh, your 4x5 camera. So make a essentially a positive image on a separate negative, preferably on film that's finer grain than the original one. Okay? And then take that and print it, and then you'll have a negative print. But now those black spots will be white on the print. You can color them in, and then you can take a picture of that print to have uh, a photo. Or you could scan it and fix it. Or I could, I could <laughs> scan it, fix it, and then print a digital negative, and then uh, go. Okay, you win. Uh, is that uh, so? Yeah, my. Okay, Ian, I, I see your point now. After after that, <laughs> <laughs> we're an hour in. You win. We're in. an hour in. Okay. Yep. <laughs> after my. <laughs> Well, we, let's let's not all talk about darkroom here. Let's all let's also put inkjet on the map. Um, can you just tell me, Ian, how you go about 
uh, scanning and, and printing uh, your process, how long it takes, uh, how much does it cost, etc. Can you just tell me a little bit about how your workflow is? Yeah, so I've got a an Epson V800 scanner, I think it is. Um, I've messed around with different softwares that come back to the original Epson stuff for black and white, at least. Um, and scanning is pretty straightforward. I tend to scan really flat and then play around with things in Lightroom rather than Darkroom. And uh, I've got a, a Canon something or other, uh, about 200 200 quid, 200 pounds, the, the, the um, printer cost. The ink, obviously, is the thing that costs the money rather than the, the scanner, um, uh, rather than the printer. Um, but, yeah, generally what I'll do is print a 6x4 um, test print and just see how it looks, get the get the blacks as black as I want them to be, generally. And then, yeah, print bigger. Um, what, what paper uh, do you choose when you print big? So I use... Uh, a luster um, so a, it's Canon paper for the most part although I've just got a Hannah Moule um, sample pack with with five sheets of six different papers or something like that um, because I'm kind of auditioning other papers just to sort of see the difference that that makes um, the luster stuff's okay um, as I say it looks good it, uh, it, kind of following on from the conversation earlier there is something about generally about darkroom prints in the hand if you're actually feeling them, feeling the surface of them, um, that uh, an inkjet print tends not to have. Um, some of these animal papers are a little bit more tactile and, and, and feel a little bit better. Um, I haven't actually printed on them yet, so to, to, to see um, how they look. But, um, but yeah, so generally, um, Canon luster paper, and uh, I can do up to sort of A3 size on that, A3 plus, um, and that serves my needs because you know I'm not I'm not exhibiting, I'm not selling these things for lots of money, so um, it's more for my own archive or you know the monthly pin, uh, print swap and things like that, and uh, yeah, I'm, my quality standards are low enough as we've already discovered that um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well. Uh, is it is it the Canon Pixma Pro something one hundred? It's a Canon um, Pro twenty eight fifty. Um, okay. It's uh, it's a Pixma twi- i twenty eight fifty. Do you know how many types of black it has? Is there? It a... has it has two blacks and a grey, and then and then right. five coats. So it's a it's what you would call an advanced. Uh, photo printer, sort of like an home, home, advanced home, uh, home printer. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's certainly better than the the, the, the sort of crappy old A4 things that I used to use. Um, yeah. And as I say, the printer itself was two hundred pounds, but the ink I seem to get through quite a lot of ink, um, and that is expensive. That's that's kind of seventy or eighty quid for a set of ink. Right. I I actually just uh I've ordered inks from the same webpage or the same online store for for a few uh years. And then I by coincidence um uh searched for my printer in a different way than I usually do. And I came across all the inks for that printer including the third party 
inks. And they were, uh, I think they were under half price. Uh, and I just, I'm so fed up with the magenta just evaporating on its own without me using it. And uh, and so I just bought the cheap uh, third-party inks. Uh, I put it in the printer. Everything was fine. And uh, I cannot tell any difference at all from the uh, original Epson inks to the to the third-party inks. So I didn't know about that, uh, the whole world of third-party inks that are out there. But I would suggest that if you if you spend seventy or eighty pounds on on inks maybe 20 or 30 it would sound better yeah the people will tell you that they'll gum the gum the inkjet up eventually isn't that um, isn't that like 10 10 15 years ago talk oh i don't know maybe it is maybe it is it's uh, hard yeah. to know if like canon's just spreading those rumors could be because they make such profit margins i have no idea then again i don't print photo like i've got a like it's an only an A um an A four whatever printer, but it is a higher quality Canon Pixma for photos. Mm-hmm. But I don't really print photos on it uh anymore. But uh but when I do buy ink for it I buy the generic because I just figure even if it gums it up, the price, the money you save. Yeah. You know, by the time it would probably, you know, give up the ghost, would easily buy you a couple printers. Is my is my thing. Yeah, like, it you could probably buy a backup printer for the, just for the money you save in two ink cycles. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, so, how, how screw you, Canon, if you're listening. <laughs> what well, what do you do with sort of like family snaps and like after a summer of uh, photographing? here and there do you shoot everything on black and white film and then do 4x6 or uh, 10x8 in the darkroom David so um, for for family vacations I've sort of taken to just going totally old school dad and getting like a 70s reflex and and shooting slides oh okay (laughs) and mounting them because I think slideshows are sort of a fun a fun thing Oh, yeah, and cool. so, so I have a few, quite a few boxes of slides I've shot of family vacations. Because one of the problems with family photos I've noticed with digital ones is you just sort of don't look at them, right? So then the solution is print them, but where do you store them? And you know you can't hang them all up necessarily. Right. And I've thought about starting doing that more because as my kids get older, it might be fun to have some books. Um. But for the moment, on vacation, I'll try to shoot some E6, and then, and since I develop E6 myself, it's actually not that expensive to develop, right? Uh, since I develop it myself, uh, it's not that expensive. And then I've even started just mounting it myself in the cheap slide mounts, which do a good enough job. And, and, and do, you uh, ma- do, that. do you make sure that you've got one in upside down and back to front every, oh, always, every yeah. fifth one? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I remember from the old family slideshows that we used to have. It's always yeah, I remember uh, it was back in I think, gosh, it must have been two thousand and one, two thousand two. Um, I was helping a friend who is a couple years younger than I am. With uh, he had some college projects and 
you know, it's 2001, so people aren't as savvy with, you know, presentations and PowerPoint back then and stuff. And, and I did some graphic design and video and all kinds of work. So I was helping him with this thing by doing some video for this presentation. And, uh, and so we're working on it. And then I, uh, I, I put in one of his PowerPoint slides. Like I made the image upside down and reversed or whatever. And she's like, what are you doing? I was like, dude, just trust me that your teacher is going to lose <laughs> I think it's great. her shit laughing and think it's great and it's going to get you extra points. She's like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> just trust me. I was like, I'll put it in upside down, then I'll put it in how it's supposed to be. Just here's what you say. Just be like, oh, sorry, let me fix the slide. Do, like ruffle around with the computer and then click to the next one. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And he like listened to me because you know this is back when you know people are just coming into the digital age. Uh-huh. And he did it. And apparently his teacher, she just lost it and thought it was the best thing ever, and he got an A. So I'd like to think it's just, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah. The ball boys used to blow as well on those things, um, yeah. those projectors. So yeah, we yeah. we have to turn the house upside down looking for a bulb. Finally, get it going, and then the heat that the bulb used to give off meant that we had to kind of it'd be Christmas, and we we're watching the slides of the family's kind of year, and we'd have to open the windows because the room got so hot from the amount of heat that's coming off the projector. Yeah. I love the fact that I remember that there was no, or before there was a wireless uh, sort of advanced button. There was this wired yeah. one, so someone oh. has to sit a, a, about a meter away from the machine. And uh, do you remember those where they had this uh, pointers? This is a red arrow po- oh, yeah. pointers. Like a yeah, like a sort yeah. of like a fake laser. Or was it a real laser? No. I think the early ones were just like yeah. a torch, weren't they? With <laughs> but it's but yeah, laser pointer. It's 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 interesting now that you mention it. We we talk about shoot film because um, because it lasts longer and and it does. But the I think. Two or three three times I've been asked to, where uh, someone in the family turned ninety or eighty or whatever, and we we are going through everything to find uh, images. The one thing that always pops up are the boxes of slides, mm-hmm. and uh, everything else are physical prints. So nobody knows where the negatives are. I I know where my dad has his negatives from, like the eighties and the nineties, but. But the negatives from my grandfather, um, they were owned by the photographer. And, of course, they don't own the negatives themselves. So yeah. so whenever I, I had to scan some paper prints um, from back in the day, uh, that was pretty horrible quality compared to the slides that I could from the 60s and 70s where, where I can just scan them one, again on my Epson scanner. So... I, I get what you're saying about it saves storage uh, and it's a lot of fun and it's probably what's going to be um, sort of whenever there's an occasion it's going to be taken out yeah I think I think it's just sort of fun I mean this day and age we live in the Netflix generation right like we we're sort of strict about screen time with our kids and you know um my parents and my in-laws, you know, have said sometimes like, oh, you guys watch TV or, you know, like you turned out okay. And I'm like, well, it's not the same. You know, when we grew up, 
there were certain windows of time where you could watch shows you wanted to watch, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, you're like, well, I'm not going to watch The Young and the Restless. I'm going to go outside and play, right? Like, yeah. You know, we we didn't have you know we didn't have this on demand. You know, Netflix, whatever. You know, oh, the next one's already starting. I might as well watch it, kind yeah. of thing. And so it's more about that that sort of hmm. intentionality. I'm not like a hipster analog stuff, but I like playing vinyl records because it's a hey. I asked my four year old daughter. She knows what albums we have on vinyl, right? And so I can say, what do you want to listen to? And she'll say, like, oh, I want to listen to Wilco. You know, like, it's a very mm-hmm. conscientious, we're taking this album, and maybe I'm in the kitchen, like, you know, making dinner, and she'll run in, like, oh, Dad, you need to flip the record. You know, like, uh-huh. it's this sort of conscientious yeah, listening. Yeah, because she's it's not allowed to do that at watch. four. No way. <laughs> she did once. Um, oh, and I was like, Hold I was the like, sides, wait, how's this the sides? And she's like, I was like, did you scratch it and put out? You know, she's like, no, no, I was careful. Don't worry, Dad. Dad, don't worry. I'm like, okay. And I'm trying to promote her being like independent. So it's like this, like, I like that you. Ah, I'm trying to teach you to take initiative and be self-sufficient, independent. And then like, but then when you actually do that, like, but just don't, don't scratch. Don't do it on my stuff. Yeah, just. Please don't scratch a love supreme because you know. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I totally get what you're what you're saying, and I, I actually thought about that the other day. The last time I re- I listened to an album from start to finish was on uh, vinyl uh, because I was flipping through the cover and looking at the pictures and reading the lyrics and. Uh, and uh, before you knew it, I listened to the entire thing from start to finish, and I don't think I've ever done that on uh, at, at least not Spotify. I've never done that on Spotify. So I agree. Yeah. So that's a, that's sort of the approach I take with family photos. Is you know, um, I mean, we will gather around when I'm scanning uh, negatives like gather around the computer if it's family photos and everyone's around you know we'll sit in my office and sort of watch them as they pop up you know and stuff but other than that yeah. it's sort of so, fun to do that kind of intentional old school like we are gonna look at you know this italian vacation you know like we're gonna remember this and that's what you're doing and i found pretty f- quickly that my family doesn't want I, I tried to get those sort of Chromecast slideshows going. Yeah. And that's not super interesting for people. Uh, mostly because <laughs> there is, it's, it's a lot of similar shots. I'm very bad at yeah. picking out just the best. And um, But what I've started doing is uh, for each sort of occasion or vacation, I make a book and I put the book in between the like the the children's uh, books uh yeah. so they can do whatever they want with it if they want to tear the pages then they tear the pages uh, but then i see that book on the floor maybe i wouldn't say every day but close to every day and that means that someone has touched it maybe flipped through it that's looked cool. a few times on a few pages and then so so that's the important thing is that they remember that vacation that they had last summer or, or I always have the images and I have the negatives and I can print them again if I want but f- 
for for them i i want them to have a book what do you like do that. ian no i like that idea of giving it to the kids so I, I i make those books from time to time and i actually print them on the inkjet and then hand bind them uh really and yeah so i, I learned to do this japanese hand binding a, a, a stab binding technique um, with a thread um, so yeah. learned that a couple of years ago and have made books usually for Mother's Day I usually do one so I'll follow my daughter around for a day kind of all of her waking hours and just take pictures of her non-stop through the day <laughs> and then amazing. and then make and then do that once a year make that into a book oh, and then give cool. it to her give it to her mum for Mother's Day is that uh, I, I just at some point it will be like, oh no not that day again dad <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it really it's that? already at that point yeah when she's when she's 25 it might <laughs> yeah just be like, that's a bit weird what do you want yeah dad? Dad, stop. <laughs> just go that, home it actually makes for better pictures because she, she's I'm started that attitude <laughs> She's, and she just kind of locks now, she, so she won't pose, she won't smile. She'll just kind of stare at me, which makes for like, like these really <laughs> intense portraits. There, so I, I quite enjoy it. That's a that's a very good idea. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's it's quite a nice thing to to, to play with. And I usually make two books: one's the kind of practice run, and then the other one um, for mom. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're beautiful things and. Again, I'm satisfied with the quality that, that an inkjet. You know, that's I usually I, I used um, just a matte paper for that last time, um, yeah. and I mean I put some tracing paper pages in and and a different color cover and things like that just to kind of give it some production values. But uh, yeah, cool. it, it doesn't need much. Uh, just just the it's all about the content at the end of the day, yeah. isn't it? So. Uh, yeah, the, uh, so yeah, it's another thing that you can do with an inkjet. Um, that would be faster than darkroom. I, I can agree with yeah. that. Yeah, because you were Sven, you you were asking me about making uh, a calendar completely in the darkroom, right? Yeah. And that, the first time we talked, you actually brought that up to me, didn't you? I. That's one of the reasons Thanks. why I wanted to have you on the podcast in the beginning because I. I got that idea while listening to you on the Sunday 16, I think. Because uh, I was doing, I was thinking about doing a calendar. Uh, yeah. But I didn't want to sort of like just send the files off to someone and then get it back. Yeah. I wanted to, I thought about like how much time would it take me to to print uh, each individual sort of sheet in the calendar and mm -hmm. how many calendars would I sort of do before going yeah. nuts <laughs> and so because yeah, yeah that i mean that would be easier in with an inkjet than in the dark room probably i mean doable <laughs> in the dark room for sure is it is it possible to combine it can you no you can't because it's light sensitive <laughs> but if you, well, you after after you you've finished drying the print can you run it through an inkjet printer if it's fiber yes but if it's RC, it won't hold. It won't take the ink. Yeah, because you've yeah. Yeah. So so that's another thing for fiber. But I mean, you could if your penmanship like, um, you know, if you made a generic month sort of that grid and everything, and you didn't mind filling in, in for each individual, like, I mean, no, you could I couldn't just, do that. 
Okay. Um, because otherwise you could just sort of make, you know, make the grid and take negatives of each month grid and print that on half your piece of paper and then print an image on the other half of the piece of paper. I mean, that's super doable in the darkroom. Yeah, it was the and when you print the month layout, just up your contrast all the way to five or whatever so that, yeah. you know, it just leaves it pure white. I, I was thinking maybe sort of like a semi-shortcut would be uh, digital negatives. So, pr yeah, so print yeah. out every month and, Contact uh, print and, and then just lay it on top of, of the darkroom paper. Yeah, you could do that too. You could just contact print on half of it the month and then. Yeah. No, absolutely. But then, I mean, then all the. You would have to invert it. Or else all the frames will be black. You, when, you, want, I mean, you want only the frames of the month. Not yeah. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you'd, yeah, you'd have to invert. If you made a digital negative, it would have to be exactly that uh, negative, right? Yes. <laughs> so, um, Correct. This, this, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, exactly. And then you could contact print it. And just um, if you use your enlarger as the light source, just, you know, just as a generic light source for contact printing, mask off the other half to do the photo on you know so no light hits that yeah and then just make sure you put on your you know your highest contrast filter so that white stays white but that's something you should use fiber on because rc doesn't let you it's just more annoying to write on rc paper than fiber paper with like a pen or um so if you used like fiber matte paper you could write on it with a pencil which would be great which you wouldn't be able to do with you know anything else I, I I was, I can you imagine, getting a a hand printed calendar, uh, f that's hundred percent from the darkroom. I mean, if 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 a darkroom print, is X amount of money. Mm -hmm. a, a darkroom calendar would be twelve of those prints plus all the work of, oh, actually yeah. making the, the months. I wanted to sort of do a single edition one and maybe exhibit it, just like yeah. have a calendar at like for my next like show. Maybe. I, I think that would be so cool to just make one, just just set a day off mm -hmm. and 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 just do one. And uh, I have I bought this, this secondhand uh, ring binder thing, but it's I think it's made for A4, possibly A3, and. Um, if I'm going to do a calendar in the darkroom, I'm going to go as big as I can. So I would mm -hmm. have to learn a new trade uh, of binding something, or or get a big machine. Or that doesn't bother I me. I can do that. Ian's technique should work, right? But can you or... can you flip the pages totally over so that it will lay flat against the wall if you use the the binding technique that you that you're using in? No, you couldn't. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess yeah. I would have to go to uh, some sort of shop and and get them to to get those rings, you know. In yeah. order to, but that's that's I, that that don't bother me. Is it would be just so cool to get every print would be just so uh, difficult to make. Uh, yeah. It, and then you have to make twelve of them to get just one calendar 
I sort of want to do that now. Like, I, I sort of want to make one to exhibit this upcoming year. So make a calendar for 2021 and then just have it, try to exhibit it in 2020 and have a ridiculous price on it. And yeah, do a very lo- extra large wall calendar that's just darkroom created for a ridiculous price and see if anyone buys it. I'll say then, I'll, 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 send you, I'll send you 12 negatives for you to try. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's insane. It, it, it would be... It would be um, a, a close to seven thousand euros, I think. Yeah, probably. And, and probably if we be. follow the the market value of your other work, <laughs> <laughs> the other, yeah. I mean, it's so hard to price some of my stuff because, like, my darkroom composites are sort of one-offs. You know, I get it right yeah. and then. I've Done actually only then... sold one darkroom print and uh, I was so unsure of myself that I, I think I printed over 30 copies and yeah. tried different toners and different uh, lenses and oh, yeah. I was so I was a nerve wreck when I handed that off but that's the only copy I've ever sold from darkroom print and, and I think that um. was 150 euros and I felt I was overpricing. <laughs> oh, really? So. I sold... My last show, I sold one... It was a 50 by 60 centimeter print for 200 euros, yeah. What, do, and when then you say 50, 50 by 60, do you mean like edge to edge? Or do you have a frame with just plain white paper on that? Um, no, that one was cropped. So edge to edge for the actual print was sorry sorry no that one was 40 by 50 um so it was 40 by like 45 actually yeah. the actual so right. it was 40 by 45 with a mat um no not with it not including the mat so the image itself is like 40 by 45 centimeters and then a mat and i think that i priced at 200 without a good frame or museum glass like the frame is sort of a generic frame um so, so you know the the frame didn't really enter into the cost, but yeah, I mean it, it's. But when you think about how long it takes to make those negatives, and you know how long you spend in the dark room, it's not unreasonable, right? And uh, that was one of my reclamation photos too. You know, so you're going to take a building and splitters, and you know, trying to take the ocean. You know, it's not like it's a straightforward sort of. Oh look, I you know did the snap of a you know of this one thing and. So. Yeah, it's a, it's difficult to and and even if you print on inkjet, uh, it it it's sort of it's there's so many hours in that one oh, yeah. photo that it's sort of it's just you can't just you can't justify the price really what you should have been charging. Well, I mean that's that the those three uh, like moonship photos, the space series, those three. I did that for that uh, my last exhibition, Liam. I made those, and so they were all priced at 600 euros, yeah. but they're just one-offs. You know, It's not even like an, an arbitrary edition, single edition, which some mm-hmm. photographers do. Right. Oh, I'm just going to arbitrarily say, no, like it's legitimately, oh, I got what I'm happy with in the darkroom. I'm going to stop trying to do this, and since they were like sort of involved composites, I had, you know, like, there's yeah, just... 
So, and people aren't used to that in the photographic world because they're so used to digital now where it's, oh, I have a happy digital image. Now I can just run it off as many times as I want. So it makes those hard to sell. Um, I sold a a few, you know, a few prints in that last exhibition, but none of the, you know, 600 euro ones. Um, Oh, and Tanky was there and that was listed for 10,000 euros. So no one bought that. (laughs) How how was the... uh the crowd reacting to that that uh, print they loved it actually because it's huge how, how, and in hindsight how, if you what price could you have gotten for that if you if you were to I, guess i think if there seemed some people who just weren't shocked there's more money in lyon than in toulouse i think and a couple people who when i was just there um to put up the exhibition and for the vernissage and stuff, like who asked about it when they when I said they weren't shocked. And I think if I just was in, if I lived in Lyon and was there more often, I think it would there's a chance hmm. I I think in that city at it could have sold at that price point if the film was already out. <laughs> if you could like no I'm serious. Like people were like, huh, they they really liked it and yeah, um how much of the backstory did they know when you told them it's ten thousand euro? Um, so, so the one couple I'm thinking of who was just like, "Oh, okay," um, I think I explained the backstory to them first, and they were just like not faced by that that price, and they're like, "Oh, okay." But then the guy who runs the place is now a friend of mine. Um, he said a lot of people just really liked it and would ask about it and ask how much it cost. And it was like just a common thing. Mm-hmm. Like, how much is it? Without necessarily knowing the backstory. Which is interesting to me because we talk about, like, does backstory matter and stuff? And I keep thinking, oh, with that image, it does. Right? That's like... It probably is. It yeah. does, yeah. For me, it's like as much a performance art piece as it is mm-hmm. an actual photo, right? And yeah. then... But it was really encouraging to have all this feedback where people just sort of liked it. And they probably this didn't is even more know about... what it was of. Yeah, well, this is the thing. This goes back to that like whole the process leads you down paths that you might not have gone to otherwise. Because if you said, hey, Dave, do this to the best of your ability in a good dark room, you know, it wouldn't be the same image, right? It, at all. Like, um, but there's sort of a. Yeah, it's a little darker than I'd like. Um, I think our temperature on our chems when developing the negative got too cold, right? So the neg is thinner than it should have been based on how we exposed, you know, like, and you realize in hindsight, oh, it's like freezing in those tunnels, <laughs> right? And like, we, di- I didn't keep the, I didn't put the like, you know, the Patterson tank in a warm bath, you know, between inversions, right? Like, like I should have, because we were super tired and you're like, oh, that's why it's like, you know, a stop under probably what it should a uh, half a stop under what it should be or so you know um so there's all these factors that like if you quote did it perfectly would be different but yet what you're left with is this very sort of dark yet sketchy almost feeling image and when you see it really big i think it's interesting to people Definitely. uh so it's just sort of funny that you that i wouldn't think of it as an image that's like oh this is the best i could do in the best you know case and people are really drawn to it mm. <laughs> and so can, can it yeah, be the size and i think so yeah and, the size is a and also because it's so black and you talk about mm-hmm. the blackness of fiber paper 
I imagine yeah. that a, a inkjet that size. I don't know. Would it be like? Would you print a a black image like that that size if you had an inkjet? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I it'd take about it. Take four black ink cartridges. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'd have to change your cartridge to make print. <laughs> but I, I, I just, the, I love the black images that I can produce in the darkroom, and every yeah. of my favorite shots are, are black. They're not, they're they're not bright or, or, yeah. or but that's different with with inkjet. The, the 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 prints I do on my inkjet, those are more sort of happier and lighter and family shots and and the pretty ones and the the dark and gloomy <laughs> ugly stuff is is in the dark room yeah i don't know it's just it's it's just interesting to me because you think of it as an image yeah like i said as much performance art as it is a photo yeah but people seem people seem to like it so i don't know i think i don't think it's a ridiculous price for it when you consider everything and how it was made to begin with so I think um, I'm not saying someone's going to pay me ten pay Simon and me ten thousand euros for it, but I don't think it's outrageous. You know, the the thing I was thinking about was if someone is asking how much does this cost. I, I mean, like, just uh, I would never ask how much is it if I wasn't interested in buying it. So yeah, a print that big. Like before you even ask, you're probably thinking that it's never going to be under, let's say, three hundred to five hundred euros. No, I mean a print that the, to frame it with the museum anti-reflective glass cost five hundred euros. Yeah, but but the, so, the mean, general public doesn't know that. So, so I yeah, I, I, mean, I would imagine that everyone that asked about the price. Uh, would yeah. be prepared to 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 be told a price that's above, let's say, maybe a thousand euros, and then I, some yeah, of especially some there. of them would yeah. be even higher. Yeah. So it could be you could have, like, if if the price was two or three thousand euros, do you think that it would have been sold that day? I think it, yeah. I think if it was three thousand euros, it would have been sold for sure. <laughs> actually. But I mean, that could finance that, the not, next uh, trip. But it's uh, yeah, it's not quite enough. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, yeah, split it in two. Also, that sucks. Yeah, exactly. That guy Simon um, needs his share. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, it's just it's uh, it's interesting. It's it's you, it wasn't what I expected. I wasn't expecting, you know. Do you want Such... to sell it after after what you went through to to make it? Yeah, that's sort of a weird thing. Like, I mean, in the film, you only see us make one print before, mm -hmm. but we actually made three prints total. So we made two preliminary prints and then one, the final one. Okay. Yeah. And so I, Simon has the very first one we did, and I have the second one. Okay. Um, which yeah. is neither of those are framed right now, I don't think, and I should frame it because I don't want like UV light to destroy it. But I have like a facsimile, right? I have the second print. Um, and so, how far off were they were the first and second ones to the to the third that you were happy with? The first one was um, overexposed. It was very dark, uh, very dark. 
Yeah. Um, so it's just sort of very contrasty, mostly black with some with some white. But Simon really sort of likes that aesthetic. So it's like so he kept that one in general. It's like very black. <laughs> mm. uh, but uh, the second one, the blacks weren't deep enough, so we overcompensate the other way. Mm-hmm. And I sort of we didn't have much time, and it was super cold, and you know your chemicals are just sitting out in the open for several days. And so we we knew we could only do one more print, and we didn't have you know have time to do a bunch of tests. So I just said, hey, we need to um, split grade this to get those blacks out. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of called an audible and was like, let's stop doing what we're doing. And so we just like went for it and did a nice split grade to bring out the blacks. So we did like what we did on the print, the second print, except we added you know five seconds at um five grade filter, high contrast filter. And if you don't know what that means, it's just basically like you can expose the paper multiple times using different contrast filters. Yeah, I think I heard you talk about this yeah. somewhere else, about this yeah. process of, of exposing more than once and changing the contrast. Yeah, and it's great because what happens is something like that, right? Maybe it's maybe it's uh, 40, you know, 45 seconds at like a neutral contrast because the negative wasn't wasn't very dense. It's a really thin neg, right? So mm-hmm. you don't want too much contrast because you're going to lose all the information from the negative, right? Because it's thin. Yeah. And so then, but then the problem with that is you don't get the blackness you want from the space. So then you do 15 seconds on the highest contrast. But see, with 15 seconds, that's not enough to put anything into your highlights because it's high contrast so basically it's nothing so that stays white yeah but 15 seconds with a super high contrast is enough to just expose the blacks further and so then what you get is that lower contrast information but now your blacks come through mm-hmm. and that's what we ended up doing so the other print i have doesn't have that you actually see a little more detail in it but it doesn't have that sort of suck you in blackness <laughs> that you sort of want out of the print yeah. size I wonder um, if your if your opinion of it would change. You know, when you've been in the, in the darkness for getting on for two days yeah. in, in pitch black, and you looked at a black print, it would probably feel quite kind of representative of what you'd, you know, <laughs> the, the situation that it was made in. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, maybe your maybe your opinion of that might change, if, you know, over time. Yeah, I don't know. But I like because of because I have that other one, I wouldn't mind selling. I think the good one, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that would fund another adventure because we're you know wanting to do another one of these things. So. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Um, having seen, having seen the film, yeah, uh, it, it's kind of the thing that's missing. You know, you, you yeah, just love to love to see it. And uh, as I said in my little kind of write up about the film. Just knowing what happened to it and what the plan is for that print, because it, you know it was all about the print in that, in that uh, everything led to that as this kind of climax, and knowing what happened to it at the end or or what's next for it, I think is is quite interesting for for the viewer. Yeah, it's sort of hard because you just don't you can't really film the print in a way that I don't know. No, I understand. Works. It's just sort of you know, hopefully makes people want to see it and maybe we can exhibit it more or something. I'm not sure. Um, uh, so, so Sven, you wrote a list of things about the darkroom and we're getting 
pretty long on time, we're, right? We're not going to do those now. Where we, we no, no, to... I'm going to run through them. Let's do them really quick. Let's just do it. Let's just go like, I'm feeling good. <laughs> we Look. You sure? Um, no, wait, wait, wait. It's no, no, way too late. Cal calendar from scratch, including dates. Look, we did that. Design from scratch. Easy. Double exposure, easier than in camera. Sort of. <laughs> Depends on the type of double exposure. What? Wait, 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 wait. You don't take, don't, 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 don't do them all. No. Let me, let me just. Uh, <laughs> let... I'll do them all. You'll have them finished in a, in, in another thirty seconds. Let me go for it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> if you, if you want it the same as doing it in camera, you just sandwich your legs together. Done. That's how it works. It's additive. Yeah. So. Um, you could just take two negs, sandwich them in your neg carrier, and then and then it's the same as in camera. You just but, have more greater risk of Newton rings. Okay. All right. Okay, but um, but th this is uh, this is getting a little bit out of hand. I don't think. What? I don't think. Uh, I thought it was on a roll. I thought. But let, let me just take the three <laughs> that I wanted to ask you okay. from all those ideas that we weren't okay. supposed to read out on air. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. It's getting late. Yeah, what man. I was talking about, uh, the the one question I wanted to ask you was, um, maybe you can explain the why if you shoot uh, HP five and push it at uh, to eight hundred. I mm -hmm. experienced when I scanned those images, they sort of like almost immediately looked the way I wanted them to look. Uh, but if I go in the darkroom and, and put those same negatives under the enlarger and try to make it as easy as that, it never happens as easy. Uh, why is that? I mean, that's now we're getting into like what I'm saying about um, split grading and everything. So, getting the look you want in the the darkroom, you know, we're talking about. Um, Why do you have to like, split grade a pushed negative? Isn't that all, all, well, first, already sort of split in in terms of contrast? No, so that's the problem, right? Is once you're boosting contrast, you it, you run the risk of say blowing out your highlights in the darkroom, and so it's sort of the opposite of what I was saying for tanky, where I wanted the blacks black. You might want to get highlight detail back. So you might do a low contrast, um, uh, a very low contrast, hit it with some low contrast filter for a short period of time just to get some of your your highlight details out of the negative, right? Because scanners are really good about getting information out, yeah. but you have to be a little more sneaky sometimes in the darkroom. Well, what... Like, what ISO yeah. would you have to shoot HP5 in order to just put the negative under the enlarger, do one test trip, 12 seconds without any filters, and then Bob's your uncle? <laughs> I don't know that that exists. Um, Tell me! Because I'm sorry, man, but like the truth <laughs> is, like Ian's got it right. Uh, my my. Uh, well, no, no, not Inkjet. You're wrong there. Ian, sit down. <laughs> I want your opinion. I'll give it to you. No, um, no. Ian's right about like he 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 does. Um, you know his workflow. He says he likes to scan flat and then deal with it in post to get what he wants. And if you want to get the most out of an egg, I think whether digitally or um, 
or in the dark room, that really is the way you should go um, because you want the most information possible. And so really, if you want to print well in the dark room, that's why uh, dark room printers tend to pull the negative to get a slightly flatter negative to get a bunch of information. And then if you want a contrast image, you can you can do that with your contrast filters. Yeah. And stuff. So um, there's no quick and easy solution. That's what you're saying. I mean, so this is what I'm saying. The quick and e the quickest and easiest solution is to be more comfortable with split grading because because for me I do like FP4 at 500, like I said, and a quick way around that for me is to to split grade to, if I like get some highlights. You know, when I get my blacks as black as I want them, maybe I'm not getting my highlights. So I can just hit with a low contrast short time to, to bring some of the detail out there, um, which is the quicker thing than just, I mean, obviously you can dodge and burn information in, but as far as a quick and dirty solution, split, split grading is actually like one of the things you should learn. It's actually a really powerful technique that'll get you a lot, you know, 90% of the way there without doing a ton, a ton of work. I, I uh, can attest to that and I felt the same way about layers in Photoshop that um, I I still don't think I understand split grading even though I've done that for weeks and months uh, on some negatives I just think I got it and then oh now I understand it uh, blah 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 and then I switch out the negative and it just don't work at all and it's sort of the same thing with layers in Photoshop. I remember when I was doing multiple layers and I thought I have cracked the code on using the blend mode and blah, blah, blah. But then I switched to a different image and then everything just went to shit. So um, mm. the split grade, I understand the the theory or the sort of the what you should do, but what what they don't tell you in the instruction videos is uh to train your eye to see what is the black you want cuz mm -hmm. in one image that might differ from the next image so and uh it depends on what kind of like for instance I have this uh low uh wattage bulb in my darkroom and as the hours go when I'm in the darkroom I uh, don't uh, I don't see black as 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 black <laughs> as I probably should. So I miscalculate and I do let's say miss a few seconds here and there, and uh, I miss sort of the the filter five correct time or the filter four or four and a half, and then I get the the highlights correct and then it just it just messes with you. It's not that straightforward as. Yeah. When you watch the, the four and a half minute video and you understand the the process behind it, you still have to train uh, your oh, yeah. eye. You need to build intuition. Yeah. I mean, that's it. And all this stuff, right? Like digital film, whatever, building intuition is paramount, right? Like I don't care if it's a digital camera, film camera, you know, at yeah. the, at the prise de vue, at the, Ooh. how do we say that in, in English? At the, like, the... You know, when you're taking the photo, you know, seeing, knowing how it's going to look. Yeah. All right. Like, you know, it just a lot of that's intuition and, you know, intuition with the film stock you have and the contrast and, you know, how that's going to play the light. You know, it's all that same kind of intuition. And then 
it just can be disheartening because you think you have all that intuition in camera and then and then the dark room you just have to build a totally different tool set of intuition yeah i i imagine that's why a lot of when you work when you start up shooting we don't really get paid to do. <laughs> when you start out shooting and you you find that it's a it's a fun hobby and you really like colors so you take macro shots of flowers and the jpeg will look better than your raw files edited for quite a long time and so the, yeah. the, the dedication and the time you need to put in the hours in front of the computer uh, working and finding out how to manipulate each image it takes time and it takes dedication and and uh, at least uh, in the darkroom okay so that was all the darkroom talk we had time for in this episode i'm just <laughs> going to draw the line because awesome. i'm, I'm all, almost doing a dominguez here um i just had to interrupt you there be, before i fell Are you taking a picture of your watch <laughs> I wasn't sure what you're going to end that sentence with, but I'm glad it was watched. Um, but we have... Uh, I, I uh, A few weeks ago, I, I was uploading one of the episodes to, to Anchor, and I noticed that uh, the first episode I ever uploaded was in September 2018. So this podcast is more than a year old, and we haven't done anything to celebrate that, and I... I felt like we had to change that. So we are doing a giveaway and it's a three-part giveaway. And since uh, David has been on so many times in 2019, I can't even remember how many times you've been on. Um, he is also <laughs> he is also going to uh, have something to, to give away. And we'll start with me. I'm... Uh, we'll start with the concept the concept is that we're not going to just give away stuff we're going to give away something that will hopefully result in some sort of a project and the way we decide who gets to be the winner is that you that are listening right now will submit your idea for this project into the thread on Flickr which I'm going to create a little bit later um, by November the 10th is the deadline and after that we will uh, read through all the suggestions for projects and then we'll pick a winner that will get all this good stuff and uh, the catch is that uh, I'm giving away my sprocket rocket which is a 35mm Lomo camera that shoots uh, panoramic images with or without sprockets so you can put in like a, a frame to cover the sprockets if you like um, so hopefully then it's just a rocket <laughs> rather than a sprocket yeah and then it's just a rocket I've never sort of, shot that yeah. with, with the sprockets <laughs> no you, you, you get that frame and throw it away is the, no is the you step, step one of the you manual. keep it you use it you don't you glue it to your camera uh, because then it would be uh, like a, a poor man's uh, X-Pan um, with almost the same lens optical quality. Um, and So that's my uh, contribution to this giveaway is the camera. So now you're all probably already thinking about uh, a, a project that you can do with the Sprocket Rocket. 
And now we give the the mic to Ian to, to uh, so he can tell us uh, what he is donating to the. Yeah. So before Dave gives you the chance to win a ten thousand euro print. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some film to to load the sprocket rocket with. Um, it's about twelve or fifteen rolls. Um, a mixture of stuff. Some some Kodak, some cheap Kodak. Uh, what is it? Kodak Color. Uh, 200 it's an olympic special edition but i can't work out which olympics it was it's probably some um, 88 yeah yeah could <laughs> be um and there's some there's some slide film in there and there's all sorts of bits uh, all sorts of variety um so yeah a b- big bag of film to come with this rocket rocket from me and uh from you david um so mine i guess mine isn't project related so, so for me, you'll get a a print, and uh, oh. just my love, my. And I was thinking about offering a print of the photo from the negative that Ian sends me, but I don't know if <laughs> oh, <can> do <laughs> I'll send you a print of Ian's photo, <laughs> an extra one. But maybe I'll do. I'll, I'll tell you what. It'll be a grab bag of eight by ten, fiber fiber prints one to three eight by ten fiber print uh no sorry yeah eight by ten fiber prints how about that one to three that's great and cool. sort of a surprise let me just write so, that down so, so we remember it and yeah write down that bonus to it. yeah one so you you'll get a selection of fiber prints from me and like if, before you get too excited remember it might be weird <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> the other thing to remember is is we're recording this, so you don't actually have to write things down. You can just listen back. I never listen <laughs> to this podcast. Yeah, but we're like at two hours now, so who's going to actually? <laughs> so, so the conclusion is that uh, you didn't want to give away the the one-off calendar. That's what I. That's all I heard. But okay. No, no, nor tanky. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> all right. So two hours in. So were you, were you clear about what what people needed to do to 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 win this sure. spectacular prize? Do you want- um, so they just need to let us let us know in the Flickr um, thread that you're about to start uh, what project they're going to execute with this uh, fantastic equipment that we're going to provide. Yeah. And uh, we don't want artistic statements. We don't want anything like Ooh. that. We just want the uh, the guts of what it is that you're going to do with it. Fifty words max. Yeah. Yeah. What's the 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 Twitter max? Hundred and forty characters. Yeah, so you could use really long words, um, <laughs> as long as there there are no more than fifty words. So Germans need not apply. <laughs> but the the main thing is that we don't want to read a two thousand word uh, essay exactly. about. But it could be a funny project. It could be a serious project. It could be anything. Uh, we, um, although we are pretty tired right now, and we are laughing a lot, it's not necessarily the funniest uh, idea that that will be picked. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah, I'm interested to see what people have got on their minds to 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 do with this stuff. Yeah, because it's 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 fairly easy to think of a funny project with the Sprocket Rocket and and some old film, but I mean, it could be uh, something heavy. 
yeah whatever you whatever you whatever you think just let us know and we'll uh so the deadline that we're talking about was november the 10th the 10th did we say yes yeah so um two and a half weeks or so to uh to let us yeah. know yeah no haikus no essays <laughs> just <laughs> just the idea <laughs> just a vague vague outline of the idea all right boys are we just about done I think so. How much is left in your bottle, David? Um, That big, big, big bottle? It's about about half full. Okay, so we have about three more episodes. So there's 75 (laughs) centiliters left. Centiliters, okay. Well, this has been fun, as as always. Um, Do you want to, guys, just... um, no, let's just skip all the web pages and that crap. No, yeah, yeah. no one's yeah, listening. Listen anymore. to last week. Yeah. Let's just yeah, listen. Up. Yeah, <laughs> I just it takes a lot, of, so much time, and I I always skip that on other podcasts anyway. So not everyone is like me, but I. I That's why no one follows me. <laughs> okay, uh, until the next episode, it's bye from us. Bye bye. Ciao.